there's no parallel there and you can't find the thing that they identify with, it might be impossible to get that, that concept across. Hey guys, welcome to another week of Funny Business. Today with me I have Matthew Guffey from Victory High Performance. Matthew, how are you? I'm doing well, how are you? I'm doing all right. So before we start diving into the meat and potatoes of all this, I always like to get to know our, our guests a little bit better. So where'd you grow up and what was your childhood like? The first seven years of my life were in North Carolina and then we moved to Virginia. My dad was military and then I spent my, I guess my formative years in Virginia. I moved around quite a bit after that, but Virginia is where I'd say I grew up. As far as my childhood, my, I think I lived a great childhood. My parents instilled uh, the entrepreneurial spirit early on. My mom has always owned her own business. Um, I mean, she, she obviously worked for people growing up, but as far as her adult life goes, she's, she's owned her own business and she owns a paint store. She was a decorator for a long time. My dad, like I said, is military, but also worked private sector in sales. And so I've always kind of had that entrepreneurial background and spent most of my childhood just dreaming up new ways to earn money and employ my friends and just have a good time doing it. That's awesome. So you said your mom was really encouraging of you to do that from a really young age. What's the first business that you started as a kid? So I, I've got two stories for you. The first one, I grew up when Pokemon cards were like the thing to do. And I had like a whole binder full, like a lot of kids probably probably had. And I wanted the, the holographic Charizard card at the comic book store. It was $40. And so I created a lemonade stand and I employed like three or four kids in the, in the neighborhood. And there was actually another lemonade stand. So we had like a, a little war going on and so we had to like position ourselves in ways to, to get the most cars to go by. And at the end of the, at the end of the day, I like paid everybody what they were due. And then I took my $40, went straight to the comic book store, bought the, bought the card. And it was like the coolest feeling in the world. Like I was able to mobilize all these kids and get everything you know going so that was cool and then the second story uh this was not long after i i had again got a group together and we decided to wash cars and we lived in kind of a townhouse development so they're probably i don't know 200 houses all kind of within a couple blocks so i got everybody together and we went door to door and just knocked on knocked on everybody's door and asked if we could wash their car and this is how much it cost and we used their water but take, you know, we had our soap and buckets and sponges and all that stuff. And I, I came, my dad came home and I was on the front porch just stacking bills. And he was like, what the heck? Where, where did you get this? Did you steal that? And I was like, no, no, I didn't steal it. I said, we, we, we have a business. And he's like, what do you mean? Like we washed everybody's cars. He's like, I don't understand. I, okay. Just please keep that safe. I'm like, all right, cool. So those would be probably the first two, two businesses that I've able to create. I love that kind of stuff. The, I feel like those people who start early in life usually get a little bit further ahead just because they start sooner. Like if I start during college, they start like immediately after college rather than trying to work from this business to that business and finally, finally getting the gumption to start up their own thing. It's in my bones. Like I, I, I've never felt like I wanted to work for somebody else. So that's like, I mean, I, I guess I got the, I got bit by the bug early and you know, I've, I've always, uh, always enjoyed doing my own thing. So. so actually, let's talk about that for, for half a second. Well, what do you think are the, the strengths and weaknesses of working for yourself? I mean, like just personally, I, I like making my own schedule. I like being, I like being in charge of myself, philosophically speaking. It just like kind of fits in line. Weaknesses, I would say, I mean, it's, it's really on you. And, and if you're not okay with accepting that and, you know, knowing that if you fail, it's, it's your fault. And 
th then that could be, um, that could be, that, that drives me. I don't, I don't particularly see that as a weakness, but I can see how some people would shy away from owning their own operation given that. Sounds like you don't shy away from commitment. Nope. <laughs> no, when I'm, when I'm in, I'm all in. If I decide I want to learn something and I learn it and I learn it and learn it and learn it until I, I can't do anything else. Okay. Well about that, let's, let's dive into uh, victory high performance. how did you get started with that? What was the journey to get you there? You could say it started when I was probably 13 or 14. So I, I played hockey growing up. That was the sport that I loved playing. Uh, but I wasn't ever like the most physically gifted. I wasn't, you know, super tall. I was five feet tall when I entered high school. So I, I had to do something to separate myself. And so from a young age, I'd always had coaches. I'd always had like strength coaches or trainers or somebody to help me along the way. And I was really fortunate to have a series of really good coaches in that realm. And all the while, like I've, I've always known that I wanted to coach one day. Like I, I just like, I like teaching people. And so anything that I feel I might be able to use, I'm constantly storing. I'm like, okay, I could use that later. All right. I could use that later. And so even at like 13, 14, I'm like, this, this stuff is like something that I, that I can see, you know, being useful for, for other people later on down the line. And so from the age of, I guess, 13 to 22, I had always had, like I said, strength coaches or, or trainers helping me along the way. And so I, I ended up making it to, to college hockey. I wasn't a stud when I got there. I was just okay. My career ended in college and that's fine. And then I, after I got out of college, I wanted to, I wanted to coach. I was going to teach. I was actually going to teach French and kind of get myself into coaching that way. I was going to teach French at a, at a private school. And I uh, decided like I had started substitute teaching. I didn't want to substitute. I didn't want to teach. Well, after I started doing that, I was like, ah, I don't think I want to be in a classroom. And then I decided to coach. I, I typed in hockey Bay area. The junior sharks were the first thing that came up. I emailed them. I got in touch. I got hired. I started coaching. Um, I was obviously, I was working for the sharks at the time, but also at the same time building my own skating and like stick skills business. Sure. And so I went, off and did that. And while I was in that, I was starting to see kids, they like weren't strong enough to do certain things that we wanted to do on the ice. And in my head, I'm like, okay, like, where do I go for this? And I think back to all the coaches that I had growing up and I'm like, okay, this is something that you could do. This is something that you could do. This is something you could do. And as kids are want to do, they don't do their homework. And so I tell them to do all these things and they just either wouldn't or every once in a while, the kid would do it. And maybe that's my fault because I didn't like explain it properly or inspire them to do so or whatever. But, you know, with kids, sometimes their parents put them in it, you know, there's so many variables at play. It's kind of hard to, uh, to gauge exactly what, what's the root cause. But when COVID happened, surprise, surprise, everything shut down, the rink shut down. I, I started having to teach online. So now I'm teaching hockey online, which I never thought in a million years that I would do. And I'm sitting there on zoom with all these kids and I'm like, okay, you got to, you know, move your hands here. And that was actually a great exercise for me as a coach, because now I, I can't, there's no physical touch. I can't move somebody where I want to move them. I have to do it all with my voice. And so I was like, you know what, we're going to fill these lessons with stuff. Like this is, we're going to do the homework that I've been telling you to do for years. And you haven't been doing now I'm in your living room and you, you can't escape it. So we're going to do it. <laughs> and so they started doing the work and you know, months later, they're like, Oh my goodness, I can do this now. This is great. I can't believe it. And I'm like, yeah, duh. Like this is what, that's what that's, I've been telling you to do this the whole time. And, and so that kind of got the wheels turning and I was like, man, like I can make something out of this. And at the time I was kind of burnt out working for the sharks. I wasn't happy with where I was. 
And I was like, you know what, I need a change. And if there's going to be a change, it's going to happen now. And so enter Victory High Performance. And now I run, it's a strength and conditioning or performance company deal with primarily athletes and of the athletes that I work with, most of them are hockey players um, and help them, you know, reach their full potential. I want to go back uh, like a minute or two ago. You mentioned that maybe you hadn't sufficiently inspired someone. Do you have like a a general route that you like to inspire people with? You got to meet them where they're at. It's all about finding what that particular athlete, like how do you relate to them? Right. And some of them might be into video games. Some of them might be, you know, into, there might be another sport that they're into. There might, it's just, you got to find something, you got to draw, find a parallel and draw the parallel and make sure that they see it clearly. That plays such a huge role in your ability to connect. If you don't have that, if there's no parallel there and you can't find the thing that they identify with, it might be impossible to get that that concept across. What did you learn from some of the earliest mistakes that you made in entrepreneurship? Thinking that if someone weren't doing what you asked, that it was somehow like their fault or disrespectful or they're trying to like, you know, go against you or whatever. Like I had kids that I'd coach and it's the story I'll tell is that, like I tell them, you, you got to bend your knees. Like if you don't bend your knees, you can't, you can't skate. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And this is kind of before I drew the connection between kind of some of the, the movements and exercises that, that I had been taught and you know, what we were doing on the ice. And so I'd be like, bend your knees, bend your knees. And they, they like, I'm trying, I'm trying. And they're not bending their knees. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like, are you just trying to make me mad? Like what's going on? And you know, there were times like I had some real stern conversations with some eight-year-olds, like you got to be better. <laughs> and, and then as I, as I got better and I started to read more and just started to learn from other leaders and other coaches, I realized that it's, it's not, it's not them, it's me. And it's, you know, you really have to take ownership of that. And if they're not doing it, it's, it's not because they necessarily don't want to, yeah, you, maybe you get the off kid here and there. That's just like defiant or whatever, but more often than not, they really are trying. And like I said, you got to meet them where they're at. And if they're not able to do it, it's not necessarily because they're trying to be, you know, mean or, or just kind of a brat. They're just like, they just legitimately can't do it. So you've got to find where is that disconnect, meet them at that disconnect and then coach them up from there. Uh, This is kind of the, the, the meat and potatoes of funny business. There always seems to be somebody else out there that's doing basically what you're doing, but better. And I love the phrase, good artists create on their own or they borrow, but great artists steal. So what have you stolen for your business? And then how have you put a twist on it to make it your own? There's so many names. <laughs> um, and, and I totally agree with you. Like, the, yeah, great artists steal. And the first person that comes to mind is Mike Boyle. And Mike Boyle is like the goat when it comes to strength and conditioning. He's, he's worked with athletes from, you know, all sports at, at all levels. And he's somebody that I that I really look up to and somebody I've, you know, read all of his literature and I follow everything he does on social. The other ones would be from a business standpoint would be Alan and Rachel Cosgrove from Results Business University. Those, those two have helped me a ton. Elias Scar as well um, as part of that group and taken a lot of their systems and implemented it directly into my business. And that's been a huge boost for me. Um, so as far as like the, the coaching portion, Mike Boyle would probably be the first person that comes to mind. And then from a business standpoint, we'll say Results Fitness University, they've been key in, in growing my business. So. What's like a golden nugget that you've been able to take away from the, the fitness university? If you can do it wrong, 
you can do it right. And so you, you might, you've got to get it right. Like you, it, there's got to be a script. If you're winging it, you're guessing. If you're not tracking, you're guessing. There's so much, like when I was coaching skating, I never had to do any advertising. I never had to do any sales because I was on the ice. I'd come off. People would say, you coach skating, my kid skates, coach my kid. And I'd be like, okay, cool. And then my schedule was full. <laughs> and um, I should give a shout out to Kathy Andrade is, is one of the coaches that I worked with. She was awesome. She took me under a wing. She like helped me a ton on the ice. You've got to write everything down. You've got a track, you've got a script. And that way, you know, if there's something going wrong, where it's going wrong. If you're tracking your inquiries, your uh, first appointments, and then your signups, and you've got a good percentage from one to the next, but not from appointment to sign up, then you know, you've got to work on your sales script. If you you know, if you're getting a ton of inquiries, but not a lot of first appointments, then you got to work on your phone or email script. And so it's just identifying those pieces um, that I think has been really, really key for me. Sounds like you, you manage a lot in your life between victory high performance and then also training in jujitsu and, and lots of other stuff that, uh, that you've mentioned. How do you achieve efficiency in, in all of that, in both lifestyle and also business? What shortcuts have you found to make things just run a little bit smoother planning your week instead of your day mm. and so in seven habits for highly effective people he talks about you know different quadrants the different quadrants of activities quadrant one being urgent and important quadrant two being not urgent and important quadrant three urgent not important and then quadrant four not urgent not important and so in re reality you want to spend as much time in quadrant two as possible and quadrant two being like um, like working out would be a quadrant two thing because you're taking care of your body for the long run, right? You're, it's, you're trying to get, you're trying to get ahead of things that might come up and take care of them before they become an urgent, important issue. All right. That's not to say you're not going to spend time in that first quadrant, but because things are going to happen, right? Somebody's something uh, gets messed up along the supply chain. You need to fix something, whatever you need to take care of it. Okay, fine. But as much time as you can spend in that second quadrant, the, the better, and the more on top of things that you'll be, and then kind of piggybacking on that, just planning it out in your week. Say, okay, this is what I'm available for. These are the roles that I want to take on for the week. Am I a coach, administrator, a partner, my individual, you know, my own, my own self-improvement, you know, as a brother, whatever it is, you know, these are the roles that I'm going to try to, these are the roles that I'm going to play this week. And then here are three or four goals for each of those roles. And then I can go through my schedule and say, okay, well, I'm coaching at this time, this time, this time, but I've got openings here and here. These are where I can do those things. And then just kind of say no to all the things that don't really matter to me, which I guess is more of a, I mean, it's, that's kind of across a lot of, I guess, self-improvement literature. But the other thing that pops up is just say yes to the thing that makes most sense, the thing that'll help you right now and say no to everything else. And and that's how you do it. So uh, let's let's dive in il even a little bit more granular. How have you achieved efficiency with having to teach online because of COVID? Definitely writing out your lesson plan for sure, and having like a long term kind of goal, like where do we want to be, and how do you work backwards from there? That that's definitely helped. Uh, I haven't had to teach as much online now. Gyms are open in California, which is good, and so I'm, I'm seeing people in person. But it all starts with, I mean. It's a Simon Sinek thing. Start with why, uh, yeah. figure out what your why is, what you need to do and, and, and work backward from there. So that's how I'd say as far as efficiency goes, that would be the way to do it. How long did it take you to go from being a player to actually coaching for the first time? And then how long did it take you to go from coaching for the first time 
to victory high performance? I wouldn't say there's like a, a time when I wasn't like, like when I stopped playing and then it took me time to, to coach. I've been coaching since I was 16. So wow. when I was, even when I was still playing, I, I coached, like I did like private lessons with just way younger kids. That's one thing I've learned about coaching or teaching in any capacity is that you just need to know a little bit more than the, the person that you were three years ago. Right. So if you can find the people who are where you were, you can teach them and that's fine. Just like, like in jujitsu or Krav Maga, you know, you're probably qualified to teach any belt that's lower than you. And, and that's, and that's fine. So like when I was 16, I, I started coaching. And so I've always coached in some capacity, whether it was um, private lessons or actually the first group I ever coached was an adult hockey group. And my dad was in it. That was really cool. So he like messed something up and be like, all right, go blue line him back. Like, he's like, what? And I'm like, go sprint. Let's go. <laughs> so I've always, I've always coached. That's, that's always been something that I've enjoyed doing and something that I've, that I've been doing, but as, as far as my playing career ended when I was 21 or 22 and I, I was not a happy person. Like for two or three years, I was just kind of miserable. I, it was my whole life. It's what I did. It's why, yeah. you know, as far as I was concerned, it was like the reason I existed. And then it just got kind of stripped away from me and that sucked. That was not fun. And it took me some time to really get over it. And then when I moved to California, I, I needed some type of physical outlet. I needed something I could compete in. And that's when I found jujitsu. And that really like, that helped me kind of quell that feeling, that kind of empty void that I had as far as like a competitor goes. And I'd still consider myself a player. Like I still compete um, and I still compete at, you know, at the, I guess in the competition circuit, adult is like the, the, the main one. And then you have like masters is kind of a little bit older. I qualify for masters, but I, I still compete at the adult level. So I compete with like the 18 and 19 year olds, which is, which is really fun. I don't know if there's like a, a cutoff point. There's like, I've, like I said, I've always been coaching. I always play, I'll always compete as long as I can. As far as like the time between my you know, when I first started coaching to victory high performance, I'm 31, I'll be 32 in October. So we're talking like 16 years of, of coaching experience. Okay. So what's the biggest challenge in your field that you've had to overcome to date? I hate to beat a dead horse, but COVID obviously like that's like just having to the uncertainty we'll say like, I guess not just COVID it's rules and regulations and the uncertainty involved. And I know that's like, that's a killer for business. Uncertainty is, is, is never good for business. If, yeah. if people don't know what things are going to be like, then it's hard to make any decisions. And so I would say, if I'm not going to say COVID, then the, just the uncertainty around the rules and regulations, especially in California, that's been a huge challenge. You know, do we open, do we not, do we open at X capacity or not? Are we a camp? Are we a gym? Are we at what, like, what, what is everything? What's what is this? And so there's, there hasn't been really clear, they've said it's clear guidelines. It's not very clear. And so that's been a huge challenge for um, people who even fall in what I would consider more well-defined spaces like restaurants. Like I have friends who own restaurants and they're like, I don't know what I'm going to do next month. Like I have no clue what's going to happen. And so that's been, I'd say that's been the biggest challenge. And I'm curious, you said before your advertising methods were just you being out on the rink and teaching and that was all the advertising that you ever needed but now that you've kind of switched capacities what what is marketing look like for you today i haven't really jumped into facebook marketing or anything like that like i haven't i haven't you know jumped into ads right now it's mostly word of mouth i haven't even begun to tap my like full potential i don't think because i'm almost at capacity in the space i'm in right now and if i start 
pumping out Facebook ads and I get a bunch of inquiries. I'm like, I'm actually out of room. Like that's going to be, that's going to be tough. So the next step for me is to get a bigger space. When I get a bigger space, I'll hire another coach. When I hire another coach, then I'll really start putting some more, I think, into, into advertising. Maybe I'm wrong for that. Maybe I'll find out that like that bites me in it, but that's how I see things going right now. It's it's the path that I think makes most sense. In, in honor of the podcast being named Funny Business, what is it that you like the best about what you do? And what's the funniest thing about what you do? I get the biggest kick out of seeing people do things that they couldn't do before. For instance, like I have uh, a couple of adult clients who they, they play hockey, they surf, they do, you know, they're active and they'll come in after X number of months of training. And they're like, oh my goodness, this happened for the first time. And I was able to do it. And this was like, I could feel myself, like I can feel myself being stronger on the ice. And because of that, I was able to do this thing. And it's the coolest feeling. And that just like, that gets me right in the heart. I love that. It's, it's why I do what I do, whether it was when I was coaching on the ice um, as a skill coach or as a team coach or now in the gym or, you know, any capacity where I'm teaching and people I'm like transferring ideas from my brain through my mouth into somebody else's head. And then they get it. That's the coolest thing. I, I, I think that's really powerful. And that's, I'd say that's part, that's the funnest part of my job. The funniest thing has got to be, I don't get, I don't know if you have seen the show kids say the darndest things. It's, I mean, oh, it's yeah. an old show, the old Bill Cosby show. Kids say some really funny things. Uh, I don't know if I can think of any off the top of my head, but just hearing the, hearing the things that come out of their mouths kind of just in passing when we're, you know, when we're training or if we're on the ice, whatever it is, like it just, those are those, those little moments are, are always funny to me. And I always enjoy just thinking back and you're like, man, what the heck was going through so-and-so's mind at that point. Like that's, that's really funny. So, okay. So if somebody wanted to work with you to get coaching for whatever fitness program that they want, obviously you specialize in hockey, but you've, you've delved into some other things. Where is the first place that somebody should go and what would you want them to do? Yeah. So people go to victoryhighperformance.com. There's a button in the top right corner. It says schedule a strategy session. That's the very first thing you tap that, find your time. And then once you come in, we go over, it's a movement and uh, movement and strength assessment. Uh, just kind of see if there are any things we need to stay away from, any things that we need to consider when we program for you. And then after that, uh, we build a, a completely customized program that's built for every athlete who comes through the door. It doesn't matter if they're hockey player, jujitsu, general population, if they just surf or if they're, you know, just want to get fit or lose weight or gain muscle, whatever it is, all of our programs are um, individualized. So that'd be the place to go. If not there, then you can find me on Instagram at Victory High Performance. Honestly, Matthew, this has been absolutely wonderful. I've had a lot of fun getting to know you a little bit better. For those of you at home, make sure to like and share this and make sure to subscribe to the podcast. We'll see you next week. Want to learn the tricks of our trade? We have them all laid out in our courses on Harmon Brothers University. This isn't surface level stuff here. This is our entire playbook, all our secrets laid out in full, the same training we give our own employees. You'll find courses on ad buying, writing video scripts to sell your product or service, creating the kind of large production ads we're known for, even making short ads 
using nothing but your cell phone. If you're looking to use video marketing to take your business to the next level, Harmon Brothers University has the course for you. Our students have seen incredible growth in their businesses by implementing what they learned in our courses. Take these reviews as living proof. We've now got multiple campaigns that are in the millions of views and in the multiple millions of dollars in sales. Within a week, we're close to 10 million views, over a million in sales, and most impressively, we've covered 100% of the production costs in the first 24 hours of releasing it. We saw immediate results. Sales went up 10x the first day. The first video we did is over 30 million views. The most customers that we've ever acquired in a single month. I think we had about 26,000 new customers. Go to HarmanBrothersUniversity.com to start accelerating your business's growth with video.